0: Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, Thompson at academyofcleaning.com. Or at 888 999 6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. That I need to answer right away. No, I want to get into chemicals because I know that at this point, everybody's probably going, you know, what products should I use and, and everything. Um, if you're expecting me to tell you what product to use, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Not any more than I'm telling you any particular item or way to do something. There are so many differentiating things in this that it's, it, it, it really all depends. And as we do this this afternoon in our last hour and a half is the fact that we have people in this class from all over the United States from all kinds of different situations. And if you're a building service contractor, you may be in multiple different situations in one night. So there's no real way to tell you this is the thing. Today, this class is about information, about knowledge, so that you can make better choices when you're put to that, that, that point. Before you go and buy these products, you need to know what you're looking at and why or why not to use them. I am not going to cover every chemical uh, that is possible to be used. You and I don't have enough time on that. And as you heard Dave Ryman say, he went to one class where they discussed one topic for two hours. Um, I felt that this seven-hour class was about as far as we all could extend ourselves on a Saturday. There are so many more things. We have 40 courses here. And at some point, some of this information laps from one into the other. If you come to a restroom class with me, we do a restroom class, which is four hours. And people go, how can you talk about cleaning a restroom for four hours? Uh, granted, if you really get into something, you can do that. Chemicals. I hope everybody made the switch with me while I switched everything uh chemicals alcohol you hear a lot about it right now a lot of uh, people saying um, we should be using all of this alcohol the one thing you don't hear them saying is to use alcohol on hard surfaces and it, it, for reasons that it states here it can corrode metal it can, it can stain surfaces It does work very rapidly, doesn't leave much residue because it flashes off. It is very effective as a disinfectant. All good things, except for the staining and the corroding of metal. Some of the other things it doesn't do, it doesn't kill the spores. So whenever you're really into these critical uh, issues, we have to be concerned about the spores from these uh, uh, issues. It is very limited in its uh, power to disinfect if there's any type of dirt. And this is why I find it so interesting that we have the belief that I can use an instant hand sanitizer on my hands and I don't need to clean them. Because if you know anything about alcohol, it's like many of our disinfectants that if it gets in too much organic load, it then can't do the job that it's designed to do. It does require two to ten minutes of contact time to kill the microbes, especially on those soil-laden areas. Alcohol is flammable; it irritates the skin. I can't consider it a healthy product. And so, back to what Daryl said: you won't see green uh, a green certification on alcohol-based product now. That doesn't mean there are some that are safer than others. Let's get into sodium hypochloride. You find this at your local store, it's easy, it's cheap. Um, it is effective against you know many of the issues, several organisms, mold and mildew, you know, and, and odors. It does degrade back to basically table salt and water, given enough time. And sometimes that's very minimal amount of time. Here again, soils or organic matter inactivate it, especially when it comes into contact with human body fluids. So it's interesting how people want to just mix up some bleach and water. I'm not going to get into all of the things about the goods and the bads and the uglies. Uh, If you want to, we can get more in-depth with that. Give me a direct uh, call or an email. I'll be glad to discuss. All of these in depth with you, if you want. The thing here with most of the sodium hypochloride in the little uh, white bottle that people buy at the at the dollar store, or the supermarket, is that they believe that they can mix it any way they want to. And the problem is, is that this creates a poisonous gas. I have actually seen this happen, where somebody went in and bleached the toilet beings that, after it it was put in there, you can't see it in the toilet water. You don't know how much bleach they poured in there. And what happened is the unsuspecting custodian came along and used their toilet bowl acid to go clean the toilet. The two mixed together, a toxic gas then arose, and the person almost died while I was on the other side of the stall. I was overcome by the fumes. But the only reason she did not die is because she fell backwards instead of forwards. So her next inhale was of fresh air, not 100% toxic gas. Folks, bleach is deadly when used incorrectly when mixed with products. I don't know if you remember this, but a, a uh, manager at a Buffalo Wild Wings died last year because of an unintended consequence from a mixture of, of a chlorine product and an acid product, where they two, the two mixed, and he died from exactly the same thing. The other thing is is that bleaches, uh, sodium hypochlorite products, are very corrosive to rubber, to our gloves, to most metals that are on, in surfaces that we're cleaning. So I would say, by and large, bleach has a number of issues. It can be used correctly. And I would say this, I'm going to give you this one tip. If there's nothing else you remember about the conversation about bleach, in order for it to be used as a disinfectant, two things. It must be mixed fresh and used fresh and It also must be used with cold water. Whenever you use bleach to clean and disinfect, depending on which process, if, in fact, you mix it with hot water, the gas has now went into the air. That's why you smell it. And the ability for it to clean or disinfect on the surface is almost nothing because it has returned back to the gas from once it was. So, enough about bleach. Our next product on the hit list is hydrogen peroxide or even the accelerated hydrogen peroxide product. So, hydrogen peroxide by itself is very safe. We use this if we have an open cut. They had a motorcycle accident once, had skin rash all up and down this arm. And the first thing they did is said, hang on to that bar, don't pull it out of the wall because we're going to pour hydrogen peroxide on it. Well, if it's that safe to do that, then it is a safe product to be used. On the other hand, it, like anything else, can be hazardous to a point. Now, some of the products that you've seen, and it states here in 1985, we started adding peracetic acid to it, and now it is an EPA-registered product as a disinfectant. Hydrogen peroxide has always been a disinfectant. It's an alternative to chlorine-based uh, products, and it actually turns back to water and oxygen given a long enough time. Now, here's one of the things. This is what happens to a lot of people when they come in contact. In other words, when I had the rash and I poured it on, what the hydrogen peroxide does is it brings everything to the surface. It takes the body oils out of your body. So what's happening in this picture is the hydrogen peroxide feels like it's burning. And that's because what it's doing is taking the uh, oils out of your skin so fast that it feels and gives you a burning sensation. All I will tell you is if you experience any of this when you're using a hydrogen peroxide-based disinfectant, just simply have some hand lotion, put it on, rub it in, and in less than two minutes, you'll feel nothing and you'll see nothing at all because you put moisture back into your skin. Is simply removing and bringing everything back, which is exactly what it does on a surface. So because it's low pH, it is also considered a healthy product. Now, as we said, it's not going to have a green label, but it is a better product to use than some. Now, phenolics, you might have heard Daryl mention phenolics. Corrosive products, you will see here this is a label that we took right off of one. I did block out the name of it because so I'm not concerned about that. But this is a corrosive product to your skin and to surfaces. Why do we use them? Because they are effective against broad spectrum uh, um, microbes, and they may be on your list if you're using in them to uh, on bloodborne pathogen cleanup. Now. That's also for disinfecting a pre-cleaned situation. Now, the only other problem I can tell you is, as you can see and you can read in your in your paper, is that these products also are going to cause some discolorization of skin. Um, it will depigment your skin and change it from one color to the other. I'm not. <laughs> everybody says, "What is it going to do?" I, you never know. You could use it for a long time and it not, and then all of a sudden it does. Um, They're not all completely created equal, and then there's synthetics and naturals and stuff like that. I don't want to get into all of those variances. I'm just going through the general products. Quaternary ammonium products, these two are corrosive, just like the phenolics. The nice thing about them is they have a broad range of effectiveness, and most of your hospital-grade disinfectants will either be a quad or a phenolic. So that's where your hospital-grade products come in. You'll also see some that are uh, general as well, mainly in the quad. There are all kinds of different quads. This is not a chemistry class this afternoon. I'm just giving you <clears throat> some basic choices, if you've never been in this industry before, of where you would want to look at maybe any one of these four. That being said, there are limited issues with a quad. All products, does not matter which one you're using, they all have pluses and minuses. You're the one that has to choose how each one varies. And I would tell you that every mechanic, every golfer, every person that's in in any pro sport will tell you they don't have one pair of shoes they don't have one bat they don't have one golf club and just because they were using this set of golf clubs this year doesn't mean they're using the same set of golf clubs next year this is changing these are tools in your tool belt to go and do a professional job as a professional you should be experiencing testing and proving which one of these that is right for you in the circumstance that you're dealing with. Now, some things to remember when you're dealing with quats. Now, active ingredients in the quat can be absorbed and attached to the fabric of the item that you're using. So one of the things that we just talked about a minute ago was if I'm going to put my disinfectant onto the wiper and then wipe my wall. Here's the thing. If that material has absorbed that cloth for around five minutes, it may drop the amount of the product, what we call the PPM, where it can't actually disinfect the surface because it has what we do, say, it's quad-binded to the delivery device. Daryl will talk to you whenever you ask these questions of him, and he calls this off-label because that is not the way that the product is used during the testing to evaluate its ability to kill the pathogens. So people say, what's the best way? As you saw me do in front of you, I poured a good amount of the disinfectant on the surface. It is a washable surface. There are many different application devices. I'm not telling you which one is the best or which one is not. But in order to achieve what I have purchased that disinfectant for, I have to make sure I have followed the directions. Now, how I apply the product is your choice. Everybody's going to do it differently. And I would say that probably even people that have multiple systems don't do it all the same time, all the same way. But pre-cleaning is the big key that you've heard us talk about all day long. How much organic material do you remove before you use a product is definitely going to affect the kill time. Because if you look on page, I think this goes uh, page 47. One of the things that Daryl was starting to talk about and did talk about some is a dwell time the organic load, the water hardness he did not talk about, and the dilution rate. All four of these things, on top of everything else that we've talked about, is going to change the outcome or the results of your process. And the whole reason you're there, hopefully, is to provide a healthy and safe surface for people to come in contact with. So as you look at all of these things, Which one of those is more important than the other? None. All of them are of equal importance. If you skip one step, if you do not know the hardness of your water and you use the product incorrectly, you don't dilute it correctly, everything falls apart. What is the cost of a human life? And now you're the one responsible. If you are not mixing your chemicals correctly, everything is for naught as far as 100% meeting what that label says that you should be getting. So, my question to you as you go through this is if you're the first responder, what is it that you're trying to do? You're trying to actually accomplish something. This label. Is an enforcement, is an enforceable document. It actually says it will do this, but you have to use it according to the dilution rate, you have to use it according to the dwell time, you have to make sure that your ppm is correct, that you do not have water hard, uh, hard water to a certain point. There are so many details, we could not cover them all today. I've been trying as best I can to give you as much information. And I won't say a short time, because it hasn't been a short time for you or I. However, everybody says, so what are some of the other things? So I want to quickly go over some of the other things, some of the options to chemical, what I call chemical killers. Steam vapor. It is a viable source. It is something that we can use. This is a steam vapor unit. What this unit does is actually creates a steam vapor. And if you look on page 49. It actually talks to you, I believe, I don't know if I put this in a, yes, I did. I'm sorry, I did put it up on the screen too. Tap water. It takes tap water and pushes it up to anywhere from 240 to 310 degrees. It produces a low pressure. It uses only about 4 to 6% water vapor. Now, this is not what people call steam cleaning the carpet. You don't, this isn't the same thing. If you would actually use 240 to 310 degrees on carpet, at the length of time they do, they would melt it. It's man-made material. You can only do this for a short period of time. And so this is why you also see these devices where we do upholstery. So if you were talking about how to actually go through and take care of that upholstery. You don't want to saturate it, but you want to remove as many pathogens as possible. This is one of the viable options. Now, some people will say, oh, steam vapor is slow. Yes, it is for big cleaning. But usually, if I'm talking about doing a few chairs or doing some chairs, what's the other alternative? So. There's also the UV light units. And I heard somebody mention that earlier. I saw that uh, we, we mentioned that. So here is the UV units. These units do kill viruses and bacteria, but not usually their spores. And here's the thing. They have to be used in, or they have to be used after the surface has been cleaned. So. If you're going to use one of these units in a room, it has to be cleaned. And the operator has to be fully clothed and has to be trained and skilled on using the unit. And as I said, all of these areas have to be cleaned beforehand. And as you saw with the Fogger system, all of these have to be open and accessible for it to get into. Let me take a quick look here. Uh, Okay, all of you are reading the chat, so we'll talk about some of this after a bit. Nothing uh, that I have to answer right at the moment. Just want to make sure that we get you out of here at the 5 o'clock hour. Um, Probiotics. Probiotics is... And, and metals, if you will. I know I have metal as, as a micro, uh, microbial there. Um, these are two different areas of, cons- of, well, challenge, I guess, for the mentality. We've been using probiotics to work in our gut, as we said early this morning. There are a range of probiotic cleaners, and you can't call them disinfectants because they don't disinfect but what they do is they use good bacteria basically to override and consume the bad bacteria you know it's it's much like we continue to say today you know this we are in a war against an unseen enemy we can't you know we're having trouble fighting so by using good bacteria and leaving it on the surface as a final thing a final application Once that I have done my cleaning and disinfecting and processed that surface to my best ability, people ask, well, what could I leave behind? Well, probiotics, what they do is they leave behind a good flora of good bacteria that will work against whatever bad bacteria comes to that surface and keep the numbers low on a regular basis. Now, just like with anything else, if you never go back and clean and process that surface, the numbers are going to get screwed up. So there's not a stop. It's not a stop. There's not a finish line. You're always on this cycle of breaking that chain. What probiotics can do for you, or some metals, is they can help in that time between your... Um, cleaning and processing of that area or that surface. So where could I use probiotics? Anywhere that you can use water. As a chronic asthmatic, most of my adult life, after my time in the floor care business, I have used probiotics on my pillows. Because when you sleep, you breathe differently. And what I had found is after using it for about six months that I was rusting better because, well, quite honestly, we don't clean. We don't launder our pillows probably as often as we should. We also went to our upholstered couch and started using them there. Now, since then, I don't have an upholstered couch. I have a, a, a piece of furniture that I can wipe clean much easier and better because of my respiratory issues. So all of these things are tools that we can use in the fight against the infections. Are there any questions on chemicals before I move on to chapter 14? Are you gonna hit on the photocatalytic just shortly? I can talk about it? I do not have it in the presentation. Okay. Photocatalytic. I have done multiple tests with several different manufacturers over my career. What photocatalytics do is you leave behind somewhat like what the uh, probiotics do is this is a material and an, a substance that is on the surface and uses the energy basically, and I'm not going to be as technical this afternoon, uses the energy from sunlight to actually through photocatalytics, break down and uh, inactivate harmful bacteria. They have been proven to work, especially in the cases where you have on the outside of buildings, where you may have on the north side of your building that doesn't get as much sunlight. It will help break it down. But we've also seen this used in transportation vehicles where they're always out during the day. And when we come back and do our ATP counts, they stay low. I've done these tests in schools. Light is your big issue with them. Natural light, of course, is going to do better than uh, ambient light. Uh, Photocatalytics is a viable thing, just the same as people say, well, copper, bacterias and viruses doesn't live on copper very well. All of these are different options or tools, if you will, to the chemicals. Uh, you ask about photocatalytics. Does that mean that you've used them or have experience with them? Uh, some information, correct. Uh, have you made a decision, one or the other? It's hard to measure. And so basically going on the manufacturer's recommendations assumed that it worked. (laughs) I appreciated your input. So, you know, I'm kind of like you, you know, I see the label, I see what the manufacturer says. And as I said, I'm from Missouri. And so uh, being a chemical salesman for 35 years, um, I had many uh, locations that were willing to be my lab rats, uh, quite honestly. I had worked with them for quite some time, and I had certain clients that would let me bring anything in, and we did a lot of testing, and I did test uh, several different photocatalytic products <clears throat> and ran multiple tests real life using the ATP count and measure it, uh, and I've always used the hygiene system, by the way. I know somebody asked that. I'm not saying I recommend one or the other. That's the only system I've used. I've seen the others. I've played with them. I've always come back to that one. Um, I'll just tell you that I saw it work, Good. but you know, I will tell you that the biggest thing with the photocatalytic that I found as well as with the probiotics is I'm, I'm about using the least toxic product to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you heard what I said earlier this morning, I'm all about protecting that frontline worker at whatever cost I can. And so what I found in using these, what I call barrier cleaning products, or these barrier products, is that they reduced my need for toxic products at the on start. And mm-hmm. so, what I found is that these products would reduce the number when I wasn't able to get there. And whenever I came back, my number had not grown so high that I couldn't use microfiber. And in some cases, water to return back to what I would have used a toxic product.